Hello, podcasters, and welcome to the show. So if you've ever listened to the show before, you know that I'm a big fan of the personal finance discussion. It's one of my favorite topics to discuss with people, and I even occasionally do financial counseling for friends or members of my church. Anyway, so years ago, I had this idea. I thought, how cool would it be if I started a business, hired employees uh, to work in it, but instead of it just being their job, it was more like financial training and education. It was like an opportunity for them to learn some life skills. So I would hire people who maybe had a tough past or were underemployed or had a hard time finding a job and were never taught things like how debt works and how to handle credit and what a mortgage is. So I'd give them a job and, and through that job, they'd get job training and, and on-the-job skills, but also I would teach them things, you know, about finance and help them gain work experience, things to add to their resume. And they would get this kind of dual education in the workplace and with their financial education. So that was my idea. Now, I'm sure that I'm sure that this model has been utilized in a lot of different places. I'm sure it wasn't, you know, unique to me. Anyway, so today's interview is with Michael Brown. He's a guy here in Spokane, Washington, who is making a huge difference in kids' lives through the nonprofit that he started about nine years ago. The most recent wing of his work is doing almost exactly what I thought about years ago, except he does it with teenagers, primarily from low-income and minority homes. So in today's show, we talk about where the idea came from and why he's doing it and how he led, how God led him to do it. Uh, it's, a, it's an awesome story, and he is an amazing guy. If this is your first time listening, thank you for tuning in. This podcast is all about how people take simple ideas and turn them into reality through hard work and sacrifice. It's a sort of instruction manual on what people have done to achieve their dreams. Everyone's dreams are different. Some want to start a business. Some want to do charity work. Some want to go to medical school. Some want to lose weight or have a better marriage or paint their house pink or whatever. But those are the ideas. And those are your ideas. And you should pursue them. I, I started this show wanting to tell these stories with the hope that you would gain confidence and take a step of faith in your own life. Give yourself permission to go and do the great things that you are destined to do. Or as Mark Wheeler said in last week's show, the things that are written on your heart. I'm so glad to have you along today. I hope you feel inspired. Welcome to the Socks and Soul podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Ditto. Let's go. I'm thrilled to have in my studio today, uh, kind of a local legend here in the East Spokane area. I know him as Coach Brown, uh, but we'll call you Michael from here on out. Thanks for coming down, Michael. Thank you, sir. So I, um, I'm familiar with you because, I don't know, probably six or seven years ago, we got a flyer or an email or something that talked about this basketball camp, a six-week-long basketball camp that was going on during eight, the summer. Eight-week eight basketball weeks. camp that was going yes. on during the summer, including a pair of shoes mm -hmm. uh, for for teenagers, for youngsters. Right. And uh, we thought, this is great. And so our oldest uh, is Addison, and we thought this would just be a great thing for him to do during the summer. It was down here at Underhill Park. Yes, and so we enrolled him, and he had a great experience. So we did it a couple more summers in a row. Yes. 
And uh, so that's how we became. So that's how we became familiar with you as Coach Brown. Mm-hmm. So you run, and that is uh, that is part of something called the. And I'm it's a, it's a mouthful. The Spokane East Side Reunion Association. That's correct. So just tell us a little bit about th- what that association is, and then I want to back up and talk about your history a little bit. Okay. Well, the Spokane Eastside Reunion Association, we call it Sarah for short. Now, who do I look at? You or I can look anywhere? Yeah, look at you okay. can look at me or the uh, camera, either uh, way. Okay. Uh, it stands for S, it's S-E-R-A, all cap, capital letters. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, what it stands for, Spokane Eastside Reunion Association. Now, what that is, it's a collaborative effort that strives to restore, promote, and revitalize a sense of community throughout our city's neighborhoods. And we are dedicated to supporting underserved neighborhoods and at-risk youth by instilling a sense of community, resilience, and celebration. We are also a concerned people committed to addressing intergenerational poverty, violence, and neglect in the Spokane area. That is awesome. And what you've obviously been doing this for a long time. What do you find is the most effective way to combat those things? Well, the, most, the, the best way that i found is... Trusting in God, yeah, and putting God at the forefront, awesome. and doing what He say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I imagine that you feel that God had called you, you know, to work in this ministry. He definitely did. Definitely, that yeah. is awesome. That is awesome. And I and I want to talk all about that. But let's back up a little bit. Okay. Um, you grew up in this area. Tell us a little bit about what your life looked like. You know, growing up in this area sixty years ago. And, and what you were doing and, and, and who kind of the mentors and, and big impactors on your life was. Okay, I, um, I'm going to start from the beginning, if that's all right, if Please. I can remember this, if, thus far. <laughs> I um, grew up and went to Edison Elementary School, which is no longer there. It was a, a half a block from my house. Uh, after that, I went to uh, Libby Junior High, which is now uh, a gifted school for kids. Uh, which was uh, right across the freeway over here. Oh, that's the one that's now. Um, is it still called? Yes. But yeah, it's kind of a. It's kind of a. Yeah. Yeah. It's one. It's kind of a gifted school. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I went there after that. I went there for seventh and eighth grade. After that, I went to Lewis and Clark High School, where I graduated in seventy eight, nineteen seventy eight. Uh, after that, I went to school down in Alabama for a short stint because I wanted to play basketball. I realized that the guys down there were way more uh, advanced than I was. So I came back up here and went to school at one of the colleges that I had been offered a scholarship at, community college. I played basketball there for one year. I transferred to SEC Community College where I also had uh, a scholarship to play basketball, but I didn't play there. I got my AA degree. Okay, after that, I uh, decided to go to work in the family business, family restaurant business. So I did that for 12 years, 10 to 12 years. I uh, During that time, I was went to school at Eastern Washington University. Okay, after that... What were you studying at Eastern? I was studying pre-law and political science. Okay. Yeah. Because I always wanted, I had, had, you know, if I couldn't be in a, I always wanted to own my own restaurant, but if I couldn't do that, I wanted to be um, be a lawyer. But I heard, I heard so many bad things about lawyers, so that kind of <laughs> uh, deterred me in another direction. After that, I went to work for the building trades uh, 
heavy highway construction. So this is after you worked in the family restaurant? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you graduated with your political science degree? Never, I never did graduate. Oh, you didn't graduate? I didn't graduate. Did you get your AA though? I got my AA. AA from Spokane Community College. From Spokane Community College. Awesome, very good. Then you worked in this family restaurant. Right. And then you went into the trades. Then I went into the building trades. Okay. Okay. Uh, and that was in 95. I retired from there, so I will be getting a pension one day. I retired from there because it was a lot of back-breaking work. It was heavy highway construction. is not easy. You yeah. know, jackhammer with a 120-pound jackhammer. Okay. And after that, I decided, I, you know, I always wanted to go to work with a suit and tie on. So I thought I'd try insurance. So I went to the insurance uh, field where I had my, I ended up having my own insurance business for seven years, had about seven, eight people working underneath me, and it was not fulfilling me what I, what I really want in life. And, um, and so uh, one year we had, uh, this is how the Spokane Eastside reunion came about. My brother and my cousin, they wanted to do, have a big uh, get-together at uh, Liberty Park, which is also in the East Central neighborhood. Mm -hmm. and, I, uh, and I thought, okay, maybe this might be pretty cool, but you know, since, they were the, since they were the ones that wanted to get this started, because the reason why is because every time my brothers, they lived out of town, and every time when they came to Spokane, they could never see you know, people. So they said, well, what if we got people together, just a one-time deal where they could meet when they came to Spokane, they could see everybody. So we went on Facebook and we started, we, we uh, got in contact with many people as we possibly could, told them, told them that we were giving this big barbecue at uh, Liberty Park. So this was like a neighborhood thing this you're talking about. This was a neighborhood These are all the guys that you ran around with growing up, went to high school with. Exactly. They're like, hey, we're going to have this big reunion. Right. We want you all to come. We want so you that's where there. the name came from. That's where the name came that, from. Because that was my first question. Right. How did the name, how did the word reunion get put in there? And that's, that's how it was. That's how it was, but how it became a reunion. But after the first go around, because my brother and my cousin, they didn't want to do it. So I said, Still go ahead with it. So after that, after it was all over with, we probably had about thirty five hundred people showed up. Whoa! Yes. Holy cow! Did you yeah. were you prepared for that? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. We would no. Who would think of such a thing? Oh, that's tremendous! What, you know what happened? And um, after that, I got I got together a group of people because we felt that was going to be a just one time deal. And I said, "This is amazing. We got to do this again." And so we got together with about six, five or six of my friends, and we said what we're going to call it, and we said we're going to make it the Spokane Eastside Reunion Association. So we did it again the next year, and a lot of people showed up. Now, and I said, well, how can I make this be a, a, a legitimate thing? How can and I make... So what did you guys do at this? Just a big barbecue? It was just a big, it was hanging just, out at the park? It was just a big barbecue. Playing basketball Hanging out at there. the park, playing basketball. That's exactly what it was. Cool. And everybody... Just came and we we made food and people ate and that's all it was gonna be. Yeah. Okay. Then I said, let's take it a little bit further. So we made it into a corporation, uh -huh. made it into a nonprofit. Okay. And now we will say we we're gonna start having 
doing games. We had the after that we had the mayor come and speak at our events. We had the chief of police, different people. You know, we started reaching out to people, and of course, they in the political realm they wanted to be they face to be shown, so they was they they came, right. especially being in the black neighborhood. Of course, yeah. Okay. The underserved so, black community, they get their face up there. Exactly. Uh huh. Sure. And um, it took off from there. You know, we we had always had. I had a board of directors. We had always had um, the integrity was there because you know, God, God, I just so much in love with God. Yeah. And so I knew the integrity was there, but we had to build the credibility. Sure. Because when you first starting out, ain't nobody trying to be a part. Or you're a newbie. They can't trust you. Nobody's going to give you any money. Right. And so after I got my nonprofit in 2012, my nonprofit status, I started to reach out to people, letting people know that we're here to stay. And we, we ran into a lot of uh, resistance, a lot of, a lot of different challenges because didn't nobody, didn't nobody really believe us. Yeah. See? But I believed in God so yeah. much. And it was, it was my faith. And by that time, all Kelly, all that time, my all my board members had pretty much. I can't do this. I can't. I'm not getting paid. I can't stick around. I can't do this. So they all left. Oh, I didn't have a one board member stay with me, and that was my daughter. And we took it from there. Very cool. Yeah. Wow, that is so. So what was what was life like for you growing up? In uh, in in the Spokane East neighborhoods. Well, well, life, you know, we were from a poor family. Uh -huh. I'm from a family of fifteen. Wait, whoa, break that down for yeah, me. Yeah, well, I'm mom from, and dad and thirteen kids. Mom and dad, thirteen kids. They all didn't stay. We all didn't stay together. Some stayed with our grandma. Wow. But my mom had 15 kids. Your mom had 15 biological kids? Yes. That is amazing. Yeah, I yeah. love it. <laughs> but that's what it was like back in, back in the days. See? And, uh, you know. Where do you fall in the pecking order? I, I, I fall about the, uh, boy. About and I fall somewhere in the middle of the pack. So this this now explains how thirty five hundred people showed up because you've got fourteen siblings, right? And so uh, it, uh, growing up, I mean, like I just told you, from a family, from a large family, and my dad, my, my biological dad, who didn't raise us, was not in the family. Uh, our st uh, her 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 second husband, her stepdad. He raised us. He was in the military. Mm. So we was getting military assistance. They called commodities back then. See, you know, government cheese, things of that such. And uh, uh, the, uh, commodities came in the green cans, army cans. And so, and then welfare. So uh, we, uh, we came from a poor family. And, you know, sleeping two or three people in the bed. Yeah. See? Yeah. Me and the, me and the brothers... The old joke, we had to, each, each one of us wear, he wear the underwear one week, I wear the underwear the next week. See? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was tough, but we were always a family. We wasn't a close-knit family because some of us stayed with my grandma, some of us stayed with my mom. And uh, it was just, it, it, it was just tough, and we had to really... A lot of fighting when you got when you got that many siblings, you're gonna fight amongst each other. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of that. But um, me and my mom, we were very close. 
You know, I would stay up at night and help her clean the house. I mean, clean up behind a lot of kids. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. See, so, yeah, for uh, sure. So was there an emphasis from your mom or, or where did the where did the emphasis on getting an education and going to college come? And and once again I have to go back to God and and because my mom and dad, neither one of them had a high school education. Wow. And so when they don't have that, it's hard for them to direct their kids. This is what you should do, and this is where we this is where we get into institutional poverty. Exactly, genera- excuse me, generational Gener- poverty. Generational poverty. You know, where it's like we don't know any better, and so we're just going to do what our kids did. And as parents, we want our kids to do better than we did, right? And so, but you're saying that that God put in your heart that you should go on and God, He, he had to. That's the reason why I know as a guy, He had to because if not, uh, because the other my my of uh, my older brothers, my older three brothers, they were in and out of the penitentiary. Wow. See? And when a mom has so many kids to raise, it's hard to raise that many kids yeah. and keep all the kids, you know, in line. Yeah. So my, I had three older brothers, uh, two which are now passed, but uh, three other brothers, and they was in and out of jail and penitentiary their whole life. Why didn't you follow that, Michael? I didn't, how, how did that not happen to you? It didn't. It didn't happen to me because I wanted to. I wanted more, and that's the reason why. Once again, I just know God had me on the path. See, I mean, out of so many, and I wanted to always. One thing, me and my mom were really close. I always wanted to please my mom, and I knew she would always tell me, "Son, go to school." But she never did. She said get you an education, but she never did really knew how much education was by herself only having a fourth or fifth grade education. Wow. But she knew this was the right thing to do. See? So did did your mom take you guys to church? Did you read the Bible together? Mm-hmm. Did you pray as a family? What, where did your spirituality come from? Where do you where do you remember that from an early age? Well what I what I remember as early age, no, we never did pray as a family. We never did go to church as a family. My mom made sure the pastor picked us up every Sunday for school. We for school, which is which I meant, which I mean Sunday school and church. She made sure that happened every Sunday. We would have, we would be going to church. Yeah. See, and I would see her reading her prayers all the time. Okay. Yes. When when can you can you remember a time as a youngster, maybe the first time, or maybe a really impactful time that you felt God? talking to you or, or reaching into your heart and what that was like for you? Yes, I'd have to uh, say when I was, um, when God really started to talk to me, it was, uh, I was up in my high school years. Matter of fact, on my f- year in college when I was in, went, went down to Walla Walla. And because I had time, I was away from family, see, and it was no family there but just me. And um, I got a, a lot of alone time. You know, I'm going to college, but I, I had a lot of alone time with just me and God. And I could really knew that he was talking to me then. He was guiding me that way. Once again, I'm from a family that's so large. 
it can't be nobody but God. Yeah. See? Right. Yeah. There's so much noise around when you're in a big family. Exactly. I mean, I'm the fifth of seven, so nothing like you, but right, right. my house is loud, man. Oh, it's always loud. <laughs> I never had, I didn't have my own bedroom until like my, my three older siblings finally moved out, uh-huh. you know? And so it's noisy. There's no privacy. There's no quiet time. I didn't get my own bedroom the same way until my brothers moved out. Right. <laughs> Uh, that's tremendous. So, so you go out, you play basketball, um, you come back, you go to school. Tell me about your years in the family business in the restaurant because you spent thirteen years. You spent over a decade there. Yes, I uh, was there with my dad. He uh, and it, it really bothered my uh, stepdad. But the, the, this is when my dad started coming on the scene. My bio- your biological my dad. biological dad. He okay. started coming on the scene, and my dad. My stepdad didn't want me to go to work in my dad's restaurant, see, because it was it was mainly like a speakeasy. It was mainly like a a, a restaurant we didn't open the twelve o'clock at night, right? See, and we stayed open to about six seven o'clock in the morning. Sure, and we did bootlegging, mm-hmm. see, and uh, and my dad didn't. My stepdad didn't want me to be a part of that. He wanted me at because at that time I was working. In the summertime at Kaiser, see, and my dad didn't want, he hated that. That was one of the main things he hated for me to go to work for my uh, real dad in the family business. Because he, he didn't like the environment. He didn't like was. the environment because he knew it wasn't good. Yeah. It wasn't going to be conducive for me at all. Sure. See, and because it was bootlegging, it was alcohol and things of that such, women of the night, it was all that stuff that mm-hmm. things that happened late at night, which ain't no good. Yeah. See, so. Yeah. And how did that impact you? Did you fall into that lifestyle, or no. were you able to kind of work there and stay aloof from you know some of those temptations? How did that work for you? And that's the reason why I knew God. He's He's amazing because all that that I seen, I didn't get involved in that. See, I was able to just by the grace of God separate that from, you know, yeah, from uh doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yes. That's an it it one of the things that strikes me so much about about people is their ability to not become a product of their circumstances. Exactly. You know, I have I have friends who have grown up without their dads in their home, you know, their siblings are kind of a disaster mm-hmm. and yet they they just blossom. They in a lot of cases they find God, you know, through prayer or whatever and and they just find their way out of there. Mm-hmm. And you know it's it's kind of amazing. I was uh, and I was one of them. I can put myself right at the front line. I was I was one of them them people. Man, man, I yeah. love it. I love it. That is so cool. Okay, so um, so t- tell us about the basketball camp. So you you found this association, you know that this reunion program that becomes this nonprofit. Your board of directors all abandon ship. You and your your daughter. daughter you uh, you guys kind of keep this thing together, mm-hmm. and it must not have been much longer after that that you started your basketball right. camp. It was it was two years after the first deal that we started the basketball camp. We wanted to be able to we we made a corporation, but we wanted to be able, what can we do to get started to show people that we want to give back. Yeah, see, so we started a basketball camp. And it first started at the uh, East Central Community Center, mm-hmm. where we had about 10, 11 kids, mm-hmm. see? And then it just started to grow. And uh, it grew so much 
that we had to find an outdoor facility because the indoor facility couldn't contain us. Yeah. See? And so we went to the outdoors. That's when you went to the Underhill Park? We went to Liberty Park. Oh. We went, wait a minute. We went to Liberty. No, we started. That's when we went to Underhill Park. Yes. Yeah. 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 So how 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 many how many kids did you have enrolled in the program then? Our first year at Liberty Park, we had about 30, 35 kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. And tell tell us what kind of an impact that you have had on those kids and, and what that has looked like over the years. Well, I don't like to say me. I like to say God, got, uh, I know he used me in that way, had an impact. That's, it's amazing. I mean— we're at our biggest year. We had 150 kids. Wow. Yes. And it's like herding cats, man. Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, God, he just, we, we, is how we have impacted some of these kids, it will blow you away. Some of these kids will never forget the experience, see, because it's a eight-week basketball camp four days a week, see, where Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, where we talk to the kids about God we pray every before every meal. We pray, and we set them down, and we talk about God, and it, it's amazing. We have speakers come in and talk to them about God. We have a we have pastors come in. Life Center Church is a big sponsor of what we do, and when I say sponsor, they come down and send some of their people, and they talk to the kids, along with a plethora of of other donors. I mean, we don't move to the point we raise about. $60,000 just for that eight-week camp. This is a this is a massive production when you start thinking about it. Yes. It's eight weeks long. It's four days a week. Yes. And if I remember right, you were feeding them breakfast and lunch. They get breakfast and lunch. And, you know, and you're, and you got to keep 150 squirrely kids, you know, busy, you know, so they don't, you know, just beat each other up or, right. you know, run the place, you know, into the, into the ground. Right. That is an amazing. That is an amazing operation. It's op- it, it really is because that's a lot of different personalities I got to deal with every day. Yeah, every morning. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I I was really active into sports as a kid, mm-hmm. and I and I credit sports for a number of things that I still feel like I'm good at today: time management, you know, mm-hmm. taking control of my own life, being responsible, responsible for my actions, exactly, being able to work as a team. You know, and I think I think one of my biggest frustrations with what's been going on with COVID is that my kids, I have five kids, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, we can work as a family and a team and that's great. But but they're missing that interaction, that teamwork. And and I really, you know, it's it's amazing how much you see it once it's been taken away. Right. As opposed to, you know, just taking it for granted almost. Right. And that's exactly what it is. You know, a lot of these things we take for granted, then when we have to go without it, it can be very uh, mind-boggling for us. It can be very frustrating for us. And with this camp, is just these kids just don't get to come to a basketball camp. They get a chance to meet friends. Yeah. They get a chance to make a friend because everybody's not going to be able to play basketball. Mm-hmm. See? And we give these kids the tools we give this base of basic basketball fundamentals. Yeah. See? I, um, I, I worked as a scoutmaster for the Boy Scouts of America for mm-hmm. a number of years. And uh, I remember I had this parent come to me once. And, uh, and she said, she said, Kelly, I, I love what you're doing with the scouts. 
and I, I really want my son to be involved, but he's just not really into camping. So I don't know if scouting, you know, is a good thing for him. And I, and I remember looking at her and saying, you know, Mrs. So-and-so, this, this is not about camping. <laughs> you know, that, that's not what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're teaching them camping skills and outdoor skills. This is about leadership. This is about responsibility. Exactly. This is about being able to accomplish something and be proud of it because you did it. Mm-hmm. And, and, as I, and as I watched your basketball camp and, you know, watched you bring in speakers. And I, if I remember right, Gonzaga came down there mm-hmm. one time. Yeah. They probably come down multiple times, I'm yeah. guessing. Yes. You know, you know. I, I'm, I'm venturing to guess that Michael Brown's basketball camp, it's not really about basketball, no, guys. No, no, it's not. Basketball is no, a no. tool that Michael Brown is using right. to teach your kids discipline and exactly. all these other things. Exactly. That yeah. is, that is, and that is so important in our communities. Yes, it is. Some of these kids, they don't have dads at home. They mm-hmm. barely have moms at home. Barely. You know, and, and this is the first time they've seen structure. Right. And had a guy put their arm around them and say, hey, you're good. You're worth it. You're worth it. You know? You're you're one of God's kids. Yes, exactly. And he loves right. the crap out of you, man. That is super cool. Okay, so now so we got the basketball camp going, mm-hmm. and then you started working with um, Selkirk Developments mm-hmm. to open up uh, your restaurant down mm-hmm. there, Fresh Soul, mm-hmm. which is which is super duper cool. Yeah. Tell us about that. Okay. Um, during that process, we uh, as we continued to grow, we wanted to find a way. With all these programs, because we had our we had implemented in that program as well an after school tutor program. See where we started at the Eastern Community Center, and that evolved where we had started, and they wanted us in the East Central Library. Okay, so but we wanted a place of our own. Yeah. So eventually, we got the uh, the recreation center, which is right by our restaurant, and uh, but we wanted to find ways because we we know we're growing. But we, we want to find ways to be sustainable. And so... Uh, when you say sustainable, you mean having your own funds, you know, raising your own funds, raising, not being reliant on exactly. donations. Because there's so many nonprofits, and even us today still, we still rely on donations, and all nonprofits rely on donations. For sure. See? And uh, so uh, we want to be able to help help it out more by making... Our all our uh, things that we were doing become sustainable, and so me and my uh, business partner named Sheldon Jackson, who owns Silk Kurt Realty, because uh, he fell in love with us, what we were doing, and one day he said, "Michael, how can we? How can we, I donate? Can I donate to the program?" I said, "Sure," and uh, so he gave me a thousand dollars. I he said, "I want to show you that I'm serious." Then that thousand dollars ended up turning into two thousand. He said, "Michael, we got to do something, to, uh, so you can be able to get a paycheck or something, Kenya. Is there anything that you can think of, anything that we can do?" And I said, "Well, I got restaurant experience, and uh, you know." And he said, "Well, maybe you should uh, start looking around." I'm thinking, oh, "Yeah, right, you know, because we don't have no money." I'm thinking, "This guy <laughs> just talking, right. yeah." And uh, so I started going around looking. For, for places, and I found the place that we're at uh, right there on the corner at 3029 East 5th Avenue on the corner of Fisk and 5th. And uh, he purchased the building for us. Yes, he purchased the building for us. And uh, 
that was he purchased the building for it, and he was real good friends with Numerica Credit Union. Oh yeah. And so Numerica Credit Union, he they got to give us they gave us some seed money, which was twenty thousand dollars. Perfect. Okay. And he pretty much said from then on, you on your own. And it was a test to see what what, what was I gonna do from there. Yeah. See? And so by me, this is Kelly, it all it's all come full, full circle. When God, he had me working my dad's restaurant to get some experience. Then he had me, um, then he had me go to insurance where you study, got to get used to people telling you no. See, when you're insurance, trying to sell insurance, you got a lot of no's, okay? And then, uh, Back up before insurance when I was doing construction, I knew all these construction guys, all these building trades, plumbers, pipe fitters, carpenters, laborers, uh, cement finishers, all these things and things I have done, uh, uh, engineers, operators. And I and I told these guys about it. They said, Michael, uh, we're having a meeting at, uh, at the hall. Could you come down and tell your story? At the business at the, at the, at the uh, at the business meeting, so I went there where all the all the different trades were there, and I told them they fell in love with it, the idea that I'm what well, I'm going to be helping these kids because fresh soul what fresh soul is it's a life skills job training program that serves youth between the ages of 14 and 18 years old. Now, not only do we have the best food that they're saying here in the state of Washington, this program doubles as a youth workforce development initiative. Through the job training and fresh soul, these youth will gain the skills that's necessary that's going to change their trajectory from poverty to a lifelong career through education, economic opportunities. Now, our goal for these kids is that each kid leave with basic life skills, entrepreneur skills, skills that are going to make, make these kids productive in society. Okay? Uh, uh, we're going to change these kids' lives through yeah. the ministry of, of obedience and serving others. See? Man. And they say, well, Mr. Brown, how are you going to do all this? I said, well, we're going to do it by promoting uh, workforce and development, entrepreneurship, love. Most importantly, love. We're going to love on these kids. Yeah. And when I told the, uh, these guys that, they fell in love with it. They got to coming out of nowhere Bringing me, uh, bringing me labors, bringing me help, doing putting this building together. I went to different places like A and I, construction. They sent guys over there to help. Everybody I went to, Kelly. Everybody I went to said yes. How can we help? Man. I just like it gives me chills just having you talk about that, especially when you talked about all the all the places God placed you to prepare you to prepare for that moment for that moment. Because because it was like, listen, Michael, uh, you know, I got a lot of things. I got a lot of, you know, I got all my kids out there that I got to take care of. And you're going to be a tool that I'm going to use to do that. Mm-hmm. But but 
but I got to get you some experience, Mr. Tool. Exactly. I need to teach you how to run a restaurant. (laughs) I need to teach you how to sell and how to get, you know, how to present yourself. Exactly. And I got to get you to know a bunch of people who can come and actually do the labor there with the expertise. And, you know, I I didn't tell you this earlier, but I've had Sheldon Jackson on this show. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, was just su- super impressed, uh-huh. you know, with what he does. And after the show, you were the first person he told me I should interview. Really? Yep. Yeah. And uh, you're you're a hard man to get into this yeah. chair. I said, I know Coach Brown. I said, right. I know him. I said, my son has gone to his basketball camp. Uh-huh. But you know, it's it's so refreshing to to watch somebody that that feels compelled, feels called by God, has been given this skill set over, you know, basically an entire career of work Mm -hmm. and to put this on place and say, all right, youngsters, this is what we're going to do. We're going to bring you into this program. Yeah, we're going to give you some work skills. We're going to teach you how to punch in and punch out. We're going to teach you about money management. We're going to teach you how to run a restaurant. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to teach you how to be a good employee, a good teammate, you know, but but then we're going to we're going to unleash you right you know cuz it's a it's a it's a program right they right. come in for a certain amount of time they yes. get this experience this on the job training and economic exactly. training some classroom training exactly and then they get a certificate from you guys right right, right. so right. they like graduate from the program right so awesome right. man yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so cool yeah. so yeah it is so cool so how many how many kids have graduated from the program and what are the best success stories oh, um man. you know that you could tell us uh we probably had close to 20 kids uh, graduated so far, uh, even with this this COVID that, done, that really slowed things down. Uh, and we got another five that's going to be graduating uh, in April. And like I say, it's, it's a... It, it, it's so uh, I have so many stories because I know God is using me, yeah, Kelly. You bet. The the uh, for these kids, I mean, because it's a sixteen week internship. It's four weeks in class training where we train them in our recreation center, our job training center, uh, where they watch videos. They uh, we teach them morals. We teach them ethics. They come from a lot of these kids. Kelly come from broken homes. Oh, I'm sure. One parent families. Mm-hmm. Uh, dad nowhere in the family. Mm-hmm. And so we we teach them about how to market themselves. We teach them how to talk to people. And we get them out of their comfort zone. And that's the first four weeks in the in-class training. Okay, where well, they learn a lot. They watch videos. And most importantly, we talk to them about God. We start off with prayer and we introduce them to God for about the first 15 minutes. This mm-hmm. is every day in class. I just, I, I love that you do that because, you know, our value as individuals, and it's something we try and teach at our kids, Annie and I try and teach our kids, is you're, you have inherent value because of who your father is. Exactly. You know, we were we were having our kind of scripture study yesterday with our kids, and we were talking about the worth of a soul, mm-hmm. which is is perfect because the podcast called Socks and Soul, your restaurant's called Fresh Soul, uh-huh. and but we were talking about what is the worth of a soul, you know, and and the worth of a soul is that you are a son or daughter of God. Yes, you are. So what's the value of God? You know, that's your inherent value, independent of what you look like or where you came from or kind of clothes you wear, or kind of car you drive or whatever. Mm-hmm. You have inherent value. Because of who your father is. Just because of who our father is. And, and your, you know, th- what you can become is is infinite. It's infinite. Because your father is, is, right. is omnipotent. Omnipotent. 
That's right. So anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, I just, sorry. I love, I love that you do that because it can, it has the ability to instill such, such power and value into kids' lives mm-hmm. because for the first time, for some of these kids, I imagine it's exactly. like, I never, I never thought that there was somebody out there that loves me regardless, regardless, no matter what, I can't do anything to deter his love. That's right. It just, oof, I love it. And that's what we instill in these kids. I mean, it's amazing because it doesn't stop there, Kelly. After their four weeks, we bring them into the restaurant. Lights, camera, action. Okay? Where my uh, head waitress, where she helps train them. And she's good. And she teaches these kids everything they they, they need to know that's going to make them successful in the work field, not just in culinary arts. See, because we got people that have said, Michael, once you get these kids done, and once they complete high school, we're willing to give them jobs. And this could be in uh, just like Sheldon. Sheldon has uh, put a program together for us to put these kids through his engineering program to help these kids get jobs through his um, through uh, his uh, what's that company he got now? Uh, oh boy, uh, Remax Company. Yeah. So uh, he he said, Michael, we're willing to give these kids scholarships to go to school to come and work in our place, and along with a bunch of other Scafco, Larry Stone, uh, the building trades that I work with, they said, Michael, we're willing to give them jobs. SEC Community College said, Michael, any kid that wants to come here and culinary arts, we're willing to give them a scholarship. So we, we have built so many contacts, so many contacts that's going to help us with these kids because we're just not going to leave them after they graduate. See, we plan on staying with them all the way through college as a resource for them. And just to give you a story of, a, of one of these kids, a couple of these kids, I can go on and on. But uh, one of these, one kid came in and uh, he didn't have nothing. And he just said, Michael, he said, he said, Michael, I want to thank you. He said, this program, he said, it has definitely changed my life. And when you hear something like that, Kelly, it just gives you chills inside because you know you're doing God's work. Yeah. And when these kids, these kids, when I go back, my my last class, the kids is in the program right now, and there's five of them. I set them all down at the beginning, and I said, you guys, we're going to talk about God. I said, but before I, we talk about it, God, which, who of you know God? Nobody raised a hand. I said, okay. I said, who of you uh, believe in God? Nobody raised a hand. Mm. <laughs> well, I have one girl that's in the class. She is, uh, uh, she's autistic. So if we take them autistic, we take them somewhat handicapped, whatever. If we can help them. We take them, and this is this 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 is the story that really touched me. And she was the first one to raise her hand. I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. I said, okay. I said we don't proselytize. We don't force religion on nobody. Mm-hmm. Okay. As time went on, she see me talking about God. She started. <laughs> she started. Excuse me. She she started opening up, and then one day. I didn't see her because we had to shut down because of the COVID here back in uh, uh, November. And uh, she called me. She said, Mr. Brown, she said, Mr. Brown, could you pray for me and my family? She said, 
we got COVID. And she said, not only am I asking you to pray for us, my mom is asking you to pray for us. Man, that hit me big time. But I, I felt so good because here's an atheist. All of a sudden, by her seeing me talk about God all the time and she see God working, and they got COVID, and she called and said, Mr. Brown, could you please pray for me? And my mom wants you to play, pray for us. I said, put them on the phone. Put them on speakerphone. And I was able to pray for them right then. It just made me feel so good. It let me know that God is working, that God is busy. And it let me give me my confirmation to let me know that I am doing God's work. He never gave up on them. No. He never he never stopped loving them. No, never. He just said, Michael, I'm sending this girl to you. Right. And you're just gonna you're just gonna whittle away at her. Right. Just keep, you know, she's got this hard exterior, she had right. a tough upbringing, whatever she had to deal with. And and you're 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 my guy. You're gonna get through to her. And I just see, and and she's one and the other. Just 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 stories how these kids, you know, they're troubled kids. Some of them are troubled kids, and and it's starting to get out now, Kelly. That uh, it's really starting to get out. That people are really seeing what we're doing. You all see the people that come in their restaurant and they ask me, Michael, you the owner? No, I'm not. God's the owner. I love it. I tell them know that. I say, I'm just the one in charge. Yeah. And so many people, Catholic Charities is a big sponsor, big sponsor, thousands of dollars all a year. They sent in, they're stationed out of Washington, D.C. They sent in six guys two weeks ago. They did a national video. National. That is great. Video. It feels like this is the kind of program that is very repeatable. Right. You know, if you can, if you can get the community you know, to, to cover the expense. I mean, you know, the way Sheldon just gave you a building right. that, that just eliminates a whole bunch of operating oh, expenses yes. right out of the gate. Right. And it seems like, it seems very repeatable. If you can find a, a building in a reasonable area that has just kind of run down or whatever, or been mm -hmm. neglected and get somebody to buy it and donate it, get the trades to fix it up. Right. And then all of a sudden <laughs> it's just like, we got a training program for kids. Right. You know, exactly. we're going to give them something that that their dad, because he was never around, never did, you know, and uh, or their mom or whoever, right. you know. I just it, it feels it feels like such a you know a sensical way mm -hmm. to to do this and to to help these kids. Yeah, it, and I don't and, and and I don't know why people haven't done it, but I know when God do something like this, can't nobody duplicate what God has done. Yeah, see, yeah. you got to really be serious about God's business, see? Because yeah. when he called me to do this, I could have ran the other way. I could have did like, uh, 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 who was the, the guy that, uh, that ran away from, ran with, and God sent him to Nemia, was it, jo uh, uh, who's that guy that got, uh, uh, the, Jonas Jonah. in the whale? Jonas in the whale. Yeah, he was see? like, I don't want to go over there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and God's put him in that whale, and yeah, and, uh, Listen, Jonas, whatever the fish talk, was. Buddy. <laughs> yeah, so, um, God, uh, Kelly, he can work through anybody. Yeah, he can. See? Anybody. See? Yeah. He just, and I pray to him every day, God, thank you for choosing me. You know, Isaiah says, send me. Yeah. And I said, Father, send me. If this is what you need me to do, I'm willing to, to do it. See? And so, and he, he he's given me how to talk to people. I mean, that's one thing I don't have. I, I don't have no problem. When I go, and I done done, um, Somebody's always want me to do a presentation. I just did a presentation uh, the other day for um, e Eastern Washington University, uh, the Black Student Union, the kids. Everybody's always wanting me to 
to do a presentation somewhere, WSU, Gonzaga. I mean, I've done these presentations different places. And it's God telling me, giving me the words to say. See? And uh, different churches have had me come. I got uh, three or four churches now that just give us, donate us money here and there. See? This is and this is this really feels like the way that God helps people, right? I mean, you know, not 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 to get political at all, but the government's programs are I'm going to give you money, mm-hmm. right? And and that doesn't really help people that no, much. No, it, it can in certain situations, and you know, but but it doesn't it doesn't do what needs to be done because what needs to be done is people need to understand that somebody cares about them, exactly, and that somebody is there to help teach them the way. And this is where churches and nonprofits and, and these kinds of things are so much more efficient and so much more effective at changing lives right. than, than, you know, a government program. But, but it requires a guy like you who's, who's all in, all in. You who, gotta... who totally feels called to this work, to this right. ministry, and, and takes it tremendously serious. Right. And how a lot of people know that I'm serious uh, about what I do and... Kelly, I worked on that building for three and a half years with no pay. Six hours, six days a week, 12 hours a day. How did you, I mean, and that brings up an important question, is how how did you survive? How do you survive? You know, how do you make ends meet, you know? Well, how I made ends meet then is that, you know, by me, when I retired uh, uh, from the uh, building, not the building trade, from my insurance, when I let that go, I got what's called residuals. Right. See, every month I would get a paycheck. Right. And also uh, a, a, a big help was my wife. See, uh, you know, she, she was working for the hospital and uh, she didn't require too much out of me, you know, and she knew I had to uh, uh, do this thing because she believed in it enough that she knew I couldn't work a regular job and put all the work into this to this restaurant at the time. And she knew that you were called to do this. And she knew that I was called to do this. That see? is awesome. Yeah. Man, that is so, awesome. He put a good woman in your path. Yeah. He put a, He also put a good woman in my path at that time. You know, we're no, it's unfortunate that we're not married right now. Sure. But, um, uh, but we're still best of friends, good mm-hmm. friends. And, um, she knew that because she, she was the secretary of the organization and she knew that, uh, in order for me to do this, I had to be all in. Yeah. See, so she never did put no pressure on me about you get out there and find a job or anything like that. See, so I I was telling you before the show that the name of this podcast is Socks and Soul mm-hmm. because if you're gonna do anything great, you know, in your case, if you're gonna fulfill what God has called you to do, it takes everything you got. Exactly. It takes your whole soul. It takes every bit of it. What, what would you say to people who, who are out there and feel called or compelled to go do something that is out of their, out of their ordinary? I mean, you, you've spent, a, you know, the last, especially the last nine years plus, you know, building this thing, mm-hmm. which is way off the beaten path of what a guy your age would normally do. Right, right. <laughs> you know, what would you say to people who have an idea to start a business or a nonprofit or change their lives in one way or another, lose weight, whatever, where where does your motivation come from? Very 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 good question, but it's easy. It's an easy answer for me. Uh-huh. See, because everything's got to start with a foundation, and with me is Christ Jesus. Okay, first you got to listen to Him. 
Next, you got to trust him. Yeah. Then third, you got to obey him. Yeah. See? And that's that's just how I roll. If you really want to do something about and feel God has called you, because you're going to know when God has called you. But like you're saying, Kelly, you got to be all in. You can't sit back and like they play a jump rope and they try to get ready to, to get in and get out. You got to be all in. You <laughs> That's can't, a good analogy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, 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 got to, you can't sit there and straddle the fence. Uh-uh. Okay, so, no. Michael, have you ever heard God's voice? No, I, I have not. Audibly, have you ever heard his voice? Audibly, no. Have, I have you ever not. seen him? No. So how do you know when God is calling you to do something? Well, how do you know? Because he's going to make a way. When you think it's no way. Oh, that's that, good. That's how you know it is when he sets you up. See, because he never leave us without knowing. See, he, you will see our things come into place one after another. He's not He's not going to give you something to do without walking beside you. Oh, see? yeah. 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 I, you know, I, I love that. I always talk about how God uses our sixth sense, Mm -hmm. right? I've never seen him. I've never smelt him. I've never touched him. I've never heard his voice, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's not how he communicates with me. Okay. He puts impressions on my heart and in my mind and, and, and it, and things dwell in there Mm -hmm. and I feel compelled to do things because of, because of the way that, because he communicates right to our hearts, because we forget the things we see, and we can forget the way we, we've right. heard things, and, right. but we never forget how we felt. No, we forget how we felt. You know? I can go back to sixth grade camp, right. and I can't remember any <laughs> details really about it, but I could tell you how I felt as a kid going to sixth grade camp, or the day I was baptized, mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. You know, or, or, or when I wasn't selected to that all-star team when I was 13, mm-hmm. how it crushed me. I'll remember how I felt. Right. I'll forget the name of the field. I'll forget the guys that I played right. with. I'll forget the color of our jerseys. But I'll never forget how I felt. I like that. And, and, and it's so true. Like I say, God ain't going to – I don't believe he works like that. I mean, because if God sit there and talk to me, Michael, you do this, now, that's probably going to scare the heck out of me. <laughs> See, uh, you or anybody else. But the, the way he does things, if you just – because you're going to know right here. Yeah. You're going to know right here. And I mean, you're going to know that God is behind what he's doing. I mean, I can just see the steps, how he brought me along that I know it was nobody but God. Yeah. I know it. I mean, I just know it. Don't be afraid of the future. Don't be afraid of the unknown. And and always take time to look behind you mm-hmm. and see how he directed you. And your see path. how he directed your Be- path. Because that, and as we sit mm-hmm. here today, we look back at your you know sixty years, and it's so blatantly obvious mm-hmm. how you got here. Exactly, it's like ridiculous. <laughs> but 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 at the times, I imagine those were tough decisions. Oh yeah, I'm going to leave the family restaurant, and I'm going to go do insurance, right. and I'm going to go into the trip. Those were hard decisions. They're very hard decisions. But you know, but yeah. you know, and you may not even have realized it as much at the time, but you were led during mm-hmm. that right. to do that. And now it's like, of course I was. Right. It's so obvious. It's so obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so obvious. It is. Oh man, you are you are just awesome. Thank you, sir. You just yeah. uh you you bleed, you know, just this great sense of duty and uh this calling that God has given you is just tremendous. And I thank you thank you for doing it. Thank you. Thank you for being a part yeah. of it. I wouldn't have it no other way. If I could go back and do things different, I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. See? 
Yeah, I love it. Okay, so the other part of my podcast is I'm going to ask you about your socks and what your philosophy is on socks. You got you got black athletic socks on today. Uh-huh. What's up with that? Well, I just always believe you very seldom is going to see me barefooted. I just don't I like socks. I always make my kids wear socks uh-huh. because I always, you know, thought that you could catch cold if you didn't have socks on. Sure. So, and then I believe that socks is an extra protection of your feet. I don't I don't wear you don't you're not going to see me wearing thongs too much. You're not going to see me if I have them on, I'm usually going to have a sock on. I just okay. I just think I'm just very sensitive on my feet. I like them I like them covered up. I like it. See. Ah, that's good. That's good protection. I like it. So, yeah. so I wore these socks today because these are basketball socks. Okay. I wear these when I play ball. I still play ball 3 days a week. You do? I love it. Yeah. There's a little group of guys that, that we play and so I, I love basketball. Oh, boy. I've got four brothers. I grew up playing with my dad. It's some of my fondest memories were playing basketball with my dad. Oh, you boy. Know, who I lost, you know, a long time ago. Well, maybe I might have you come down and uh, talk to the kids one time at the camp or something. Anytime. Anytime. Any, yeah. I'd love to. So I, I remember, and I've told this story before on this show, but I remember my first pair of good socks. Really? See, because I, I was the fifth of seven kids. We grew up, you know... You know we're 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 pretty modest in our in our upbringing, and because I have three older brothers, most of my clothes were hand me downs, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably like you, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, including right. my hand socks. Me, they were hand me downs, and we'd get you know mom would go and get the big pack of tube socks, mm-hmm. and you know sometimes I'd go steal them from my dad's door. Never, I remember uh, I was I was. I was in sixth grade, excuse me, I was in fifth grade playing basketball and I'd gone to the mall with my friend and mm-hmm. we'd gone into Foot Locker. And I remember looking at this n- pair of Nike socks and they were $5. And I remember thinking, that is a fortune for a pair of socks. Uh-huh. But they had the little swoosh on them and I just, I just wanted them, right? So I, I bought the socks and I remember putting them on and they're just being wicked comfortable. And, and that was when I fell in love with comfortable socks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, and I wore those socks. I would wear them three or four times a week before I sent them to the wash Oh boy! because I just loved them. And I wore them till they had, till they had holes in them. Right. <laughs> so I have, I have for you, uh, you know, these aren't oh, the most, okay. these okay. aren't the most flashy socks. I usually give my guests really flashy socks, but okay. I found these and, and this is what they looked like. Uh-huh. They were white socks with the black Nike swoosh. And, uh, and Nike still makes remarkably comfortable socks. Okay. They're some of my favorite. But I wanted to give these to you. Thank you. You know, because, because of the way those, those socks had a huge impression on my childhood. Like your basketball camp has impression, huge impressions on youngsters today. Right. Okay. So when you, you. when you wear those, know that, that kids everywhere are grateful for, for what okay. you're doing. I appreciate that. And they're really comfortable socks. All right. <laughs> so there you go, Michael Brown. Thank you. Thank you. I really... Really appreciate you coming in today. I'll give you the last word. With God, all things is possible. Matthew 19, 26 tells us that. And I just hope that people can, my prayer for people, Kelly, is for them to get a relationship with God because it is so powerful. He will never steer you wrong. And he's the best I've seen. Yeah, for sure. How can people help you? What's the best thing that people can do to help you? The best thing that people can do to help me, if it's not me as far as our organization, is to come in, support what we're doing, and do like so many others, get on the bandwagon of support, financial support. Right. See, because 
uh, what people, a lot of people fail to realize, we're not like any other restaurant. We are a nonprofit. We're not for profit. Our money goes back to give these kids jobs, to give these kids, to help these kids to, to go to the basketball camp for free. We probably 95% of our kids go to our basketball camp because they can't afford to pay. Right. So any way that we can be helped financially and also come in and support the restaurant and tell your friends. Awesome. Fresh soul. On, on East 5th. On East 5th Avenue, two blocks west of Fred Myers, 3029 East 5th Avenue. And you guys are open Tuesday through Saturday? Tuesday through Saturday, 12 o'clock to 7 o'clock in the, in the spring, winter and spring, and summertime is 12 to 8. Okay, very yeah. good. Are you guys doing takeout? We're doing takeout. Can take you call out. in order and take out? Yes, you awesome. can call in orders, especially through Uber Eats. Okay, great. Yeah. Awesome, very good. Well, thank you so much for what you do, Michael. You're an inspiration to all of us. Thank you. Thanks for making our community uh, a better place. Yeah, thank and you. we'd love to see your program replicated all over the world. Oh, man, I would love that. And, uh, you know, if you want to if you want to run this program in your community, please reach out to Michael. I'm sure he'd be happy to steer in the right direction and, you know, help help give you whatever guidance you need to make that happen right in your own neighborhood. In your own neighborhood. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you. This Ox and Soul podcast is a production of Ditto Film Media. If you enjoy this content, be sure to give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Join the conversation on Facebook at Socks and Soul Podcast.